Hello, food world. This is Robert Crutchfield, your favorite foodie friend from Crutchfield Cooks, here with another episode of Crutchfield Cooks, the podcast. Spaghetti, lasagna, ravioli, better yet, pizza. But if you think this is the extent of Italian cooking, you've got a lot more to learn, and we're going to get you there in the next 30 minutes. We've got with us today, Maria Liberate, a Garmond award-winning cookbook author who actually grew up in Italy and learned her early cooking skills there and has traveled extensively there since. Here's Maria. Good, good, yes. Okay, we're live with Maria Liberate. You can do a much better job of filling everybody in on who you are than I can. So why don't you give us a little bit of background to start off with. In particular, a lot of people are probably, a lot of people outside the industry are not probably not familiar with that Armand Award you won. So if you want to go into that a little bit. that Oh, that would... sure. Yes. So I have a book series and I was granted a trademark too called, it's called The Basic Art of Italian Cooking by Maria Liberati. And that's the name of my blog, book series. And I also have a TV channel on Roku. That's The Basic Art of Italian Cooking by Maria Liberati. And the award you were talking about, it's called the Gourmand World Awards. And I was really excited to get it. They notified me by email and I never, I just, you know, you enter these things and you just think, okay, you know, like two months down the road and it's like all of a sudden I heard from them. So I'm, I happened to be in Italy at the time and um, they actually selected my second book, which is, again, it's called The Basic Art of Italian Cooking, but it's subtitled Holidays and Special Occasions. So all of my books have subtitles, but that's the main type. And I had to go to, the award was in 2010, the award ceremony in Paris, France. And they select different books for different cuisines for specific countries. So my book series was selected as the best Italian cuisine book in the USA for 2010, which was really exciting. And they liked it because I, they had told me it's authentic and it's traditional style of Italian cooking. But my books are not just recipes because I, I, I always thought that Italian cooking, Italian food, is about more than just the recipes. It has a lot of history and culture connected to it. So my books are also, they also have stories from the different places that I visited, kind of like autobiographical stories mostly. And the recipes usually relate to that place that I visited because I think it, you need that to give people more of an experience. But so that's the Gourmand World Awards, and I was just chosen by Comcast for a media award. So it's a competition called Rise. So there, I, I actually have a something running on Comcast now in specific areas. And then I had gotten also an award in the UK for, it's an innovative culinary content award because my company is... Art of Living Premium Media, we're a, a multimedia content company. So 
not we, we started out, I started out just by writing books on the culinary, you know, culinary and wine, and then just kind of grew from there. And now I provide streaming content and produce videos on culinary, you know, how to's as well. And, but I started out as a model. I, I was modeling in, in Europe, in Italy and studied my family's cooking, my roots in, in the culinary arts in Italy. And that was really how I ended up deciding to go to culinary school in Italy, which I think is probably the best place in the world to study the culinary arts if you're going to. But anyway, I, I did that and I spent a lot of time in Italy working with different chefs there and doing events at a lot of vineyards and venues. And I had my own TV series on PBS that was filmed in Italy, but broadcast in English in the U.S. and working on doing another TV series also. So, but I'll, I don't want to keep talking. I, I'm just going to say. I don't know so, why this show's about you. Yeah. You're the star. I'm just the guy with this marquee on this food. <laughs> but I tell you, your experience with the Garmand Award reminds me of an experience I had with a mention I got in mash.com, uh-huh. which I knew nothing about. I was doing research on Google and uh-huh. looking through the Google research and it's like, Darn, I wrote an article almost, wait a minute, (laughs) they're quoting my article. That's why it sounds familiar. Yes, yes. And I've had that happen too, where exactly where you you get quoted in these different things. I guess that's the beauty of the, you know, internet now. You can find, you find these things. And sometimes if you Google your name, you'll find, you know, well, hopefully it's always a good thing, but. You find surprising things where you may have been quoted or people mention you and things like that, which is always nice. But yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, I, I had done a review of my friend Robert Irvine's Fit Crunch bars. Oh, yes. And, and, and they, did a, they did an article on, on uh, they did an article on his Fit Crunch bars. And sure enough, right there at the top, Robert Crutchfield from Crutchfield Cooks says blah, 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 blah. Oh, wow. Well, I have to tell you, Robert Irvine, I know him pretty, pretty well, though I haven't talked to him for a while. Just I know him from there is I generally a lot of times do like book signings and appearances Mm. at large, like consumer food and wine events. And there is a large one in Philadelphia called Philly. Oh, gosh, they're always changing the name, but I think they call it Taste of Philly. And, Uh, but there's about 30,000 people that do come and they had it in Atlantic city for a little bit And I haven't seen him there for a while, but I did used to run into him there and we sometimes did chef demos because they, yeah, well, uh, I have, I've actually never met him face to face. I've, uh, I, I, I know him from social media and from emails and whatnot. Uh, One of my favorite things is he camps on Twitter when the new episodes of Restaurant Impossible come out. And he and he and I, a bunch of other people will sit there while we're watching the show. We're like, (laughs) gee, did it really taste that bad? Oh, wow. And and, and we've developed a little bit of a, of an online friendship. Wow. Although uh, I have an author friend, Laurie Lowe, who I've also never met in, in, in person. Despite the fact that I've helped her write six of her 154 books, but wow, yeah, 154 published books. Uh huh. 
she calls some books on it, but that's not, that's not today's subject. We're here today to talk to a, about Italian cooking. One of the things I want to make sure we cover is you may agree here in the United States, when you say Italian cooking, people think spaghetti, pizza, lasagna, <laughs> that they take, there's only about like four things. And to them, that's the whole world of exactly. Italian cooking. Can you, can you expand our minds on that a little bit and, and yes. talk about some of the variety Italian versus Southern Italian. I mean, yes. Yes. there's a lot more to it. Yes, there is a lot more to it. It's just, it's actually like Chinese food. You know, I, I like, that's like my second favorite kind of takeout Chinese food. I never do takeout for Italian. I like to cook on my own, but it's <laughs> chi Chinese food. They will tell you, or even Japanese food, anyone from China or Japan will tell you that that food that they make here has nothing to do with the food that they make there. And a lot of the stuff they make here, they make it totally different. So it's some, somewhat similar to Italian food. Yes, it's not all about spaghetti and meatballs, lasagna and pizza. And actually in Italy, it's not spaghetti and meatballs. You don't serve that together. It's spaghetti because in Italy, they eat in courses. So you have, you know, first course, second course, third course, fourth course. So your first course is apart from an antipasto, which is an appetizer, your first course is going to be your carbohydrate. So it's going to be pasta or rice or some type of a bean soup. And then your second course would be the meat or a meat substitute. But if you want to do spaghetti and meatballs, it's spaghetti is your first course. Your second course is the meat course. And then the third one could be a vegetable and then a salad and then a dessert. So it's kind and it's not served on one plate. So that's one significant difference about Italian cooking. It's not, you know, everything kind of together. And yes, there is a difference. Each region has their style of cooking that is kind of based on what grows well in that area. So, you know, for instance, in Genoa, they grow this basil that the leaves of the basil are gigantic. They look like lettuce leaves. And they are, if you go to Genoa or the area around Genoa, they tend not to use any kind of, well, I guess we would call it a red tomato-based sauce. They like to do pesto. That's their big thing there because pesto is made with basil. And the basil there is just amazing. So, you know, the different regions are really, what they make is dependent upon or revolving around what grows well in that area, which would make sense because then it's the local, you know, kind of the local food type of theory. So, but now with you know, before it was very difficult to travel throughout Italy, the mountains and all. There wasn't a lot of transportation, good transportation set up. So it was very difficult to find specialties in different regions. When you went to a region, you would only eat really that region's cooking. But what was happening is so people would go to, let's say, Na Naples, the pizza is just like the best in the world. You know, they'd go there and the word would spread or they'd go somewhere else and, you know, Genoa and the basil. So everybody kind of wanted that stuff. And when they started doing 
you know, the different specialties in the different places. So now you can find a lot of different styles of cooking in Italy, wherever you go. But I still favor when you go to an area or a town that, you know, that's their specialty. If you have it there, it's still the best. You know, it's still the best there versus if you go far away. It's just kind of like, you know, I'm from Philadelphia, so and I'm I'm home, I'm based here most of the year, at least most of the time when I'm not traveling. So I know we have certain things that they make in Philly that if I go out of Philly and they try to make them, it's just not like, you know, for instance, it's not really high cuisine, but they make these wonderful pretzels in Philly, soft pretzels. Yeah. If I go somewhere else, even New York City, which is not that far, and they have these soft pretzels they sell on the street. It's it's not the same kind of soft pretzels that they have in Philly. It just doesn't match. So it's basically the same. But uh, so back on the difference between the cuisines. So in the north, you'll find that they're going to use more butter than olive oil. And they tend to use like in certain areas risotto versus pasta. And in the south, you'll get more, you know, more pasta dishes. And, but like I said, in Genoa, it's more all about the pesto than the tomato sauce. In Tuscany, it's more about the bean. They make all kinds of bean soups there. And I'm not sure if that's because it's a Leonardo da Vinci thing, if he kind of started that. But they have a lot of specialties for bean, different kinds of bean soups. And a lot of times the first course is a bean soup. They have one very famous, it's called Ribolita, which that means reboiled. And all it is, it's a bean soup with different vegetables. And you literally can leave it because it's only, it doesn't have cheeses or meats in it. You leave it on your range and you reboil it and you can keep eating it until it's finished. Obviously, can't do that for a month, but just like a day or two. So it's called Ribolita. It's actually very good. And uh, that's a soup that's very popular there. Soups are pretty popular in definitely in Tuscany. Mm -hmm. But, you know, and there is something called bruschetta, which Americans pronounce it bruschetta because there's a CH, but it's really called bruschetta. And different regions have different types of bruschetta that they that they do make here in America. People think, oh, yeah, bruschetta is just tomatoes with garlic, basil. And it's it's not it's. You know, in certain regions, they mash beans and put olive oil and garlic on top. On certain regions, it's just garlic and olive oil. And so there's a lot of a variety of different things that, you know, people don't experience unless they travel to Italy and really kind of go to, you know, not the touristy places because... In Italy, oh. if you go to the touristy places, you'll get the spaghetti and meatballs. They're catering to the American audience. Yes. But sometimes they will do that. So if you follow the locals, you'll get the real Italian food, which is like the real deal because the, the locals don't go for sure. that stuff. Yeah, that's true in a lot of places here in the yes. U.S. as well. Let's go into something a little bit different, clarify something in my own mind, at least. It's, it's always been my perception in this country, at least of that Italian dishes are named by a combination of the noodle used and the sauce used. 
-hmm. For instance, what we call spaghetti and meat dolls would more properly be called spaghetti marinara. Spaghetti and meat sauce, we would call spaghetti bolognese. I've seen people take penne pasta and put red sauce on it and call it spaghetti. And I'm like, that's not spaghetti. That's the no. No, spaghetti is okay. So in Italy, if you go to a store, you're going to find boxes of pasta, not like pasta number this. So spaghetti could have different numbers and that's sure. with the thickness, but there's spaghetti, fettuccine, angel hair pasta, penne pasta is penne. Spaghetti is the long, you know, spaghetti. Yeah. Definitely not. And spaghetti marinara does not have meat. So marinara. Right. Sauce, right. Marinara is kind of, it doesn't have meat. There, um, so there would be no meat in marinara. Now, bolognese would have meat in it. Right. Well, bolognese comes from, that bolognese comes from Bologna. And yes, it's a meat sauce that is even used in a lasagna that they do with a bolognese. It's a meat sauce, so it's got ground meat in it. But marinara, now you could have, just what you were saying, you could have the spaghetti marinara with the marinara sauce, but you, the meatballs would be on the side. So in yeah. other words, the meatballs, usually if you say you want meat, like a sauce without meat, let's say somebody doesn't eat meat, you can ask for the marinara that doesn't have meat in it. And then you can have the meatballs as like your second course or on the side. So, but you're absolutely right. Each dish, ha well, each each pasta has its own its own name by the shape. You know, sure. there's the bow ties and the, the wagon wheels and penne, and then you have these delicious. It's called perchadelli, perchadelli, and they're really thick spaghetti. It's a spaghetti, but it's thick, and that's called perchadelli because they're really thick. So, but there's different, and then you have the angel hair, which is really thin. It's like yes. spaghetti. So, yep, every every dish really has its own kind of name by the pasta that it's cooked with. And really, each pasta shape holds a sauce like differently. Sure. So, you know, when you use when you do fettuccine Alfredo, Alfredo is this heavy, creamy sauce. So you're going to use fettuccine with that because it's a thicker noodle. You really wouldn't use spaghetti with fettuccine, with Alfredo and Alfredo sauce. Yeah. Well, that was the point I was going to make is that one thing that's not commonly understood in this country is it's more than a name thing. Uh, right. These different kinds of pastas, they, there's a reason why there's different pastas. And part of the reason there's different kinds of pasta is because they hold the sauce differently. Exactly. Uh, they do other different things differently. Exactly. I think the proudest I was of myself in my, because uh, my experience making pasta is obviously a lot less than yours, but I was really proud of myself when I made bow tie pasta the first time. Oh, week. yeah. I love bow tie pasta. It's beautiful. It's very elegant. Farfalle, yeah. they call. Farfalle and a lot of is actually a butterfly, yeah. but we call it bow ties in Italian. Yeah. They, they use the word for butterfly, but you're right, farfalle pasta. But Yeah, uh, now I was surprised how easy it was. I mean, basically the instructors were, okay, take your pasta sheet, cut yeah. it in little squares, yeah. it's little squares in the middle, yeah. put it in the salted water. Yes, yes. Let everybody be impressed. <laughs> Exa exactly, <laughs> exactly, definitely. 
And if you want to, you know, if you want to use the dry pasta, the one thing I tell people all the time, which is really important, it's a no-brainer. The company that makes the pasta tests how long the pasta has to cook. Hmm. So it's a no-brainer. There's always directions cook for this amount of time. So if you want to know, oh, how long do I need to cook the pasta? You know, I can't always tell you it's only this amount of time. Generally, it's right on the box. It depends on the manufacturer that you get the pasta from. So, you know, pasta is a really easy dish to make. And then, of course, I always say, but taste it before you take it out of the water. and Make sure it's soft enough for you because Italians are used to eating what we call al dente, which has a little, still just a little bit of a, of a, of a hardness, not real hard, but not real, real soft. So, cause if you get it too mushy, it just takes all the flavor away, but you know, it's an easy thing to do. You just go for what's on the box. Sure. Sure. I'm trying to think here, especially somebody, if they're trying to cook more authentic Italian, is there one particular technique or anything like that, that they should learn or yeah. teach themselves or. Yeah. Well, if you want to cook, I mean, if, if you're sort of, a, if you're a newbie, you know, like a new cook and you're not extremely experienced, but you want to impress somebody, it's really not that difficult. Always use, like, try to find the best ingredients you can because Italian cooking does not take, usually dishes don't take lots of ingredients to taste good. The trick is to get a really good olive oil a really good Parmigiano-Reggiano cheese. And then you only need a little bit of each thing to get the flavor. But if anybody wants to do a dish that they want to impress someone with and they're a new, you know, cook, the, the easiest thing is go to, you know, the store, get a box of dry pasta. There are certain manufacturers that are better than others. And I you know, I don't really want to recommend a brand, but make sure it's semolina wheat. And usually if you get a brand from Italy, it's usually a pretty good pasta. Follow the directions on the box for cooking the pasta. And then as far as the sauce, the sauce is really easy to make. Mm. All you need is a good extra virgin olive oil, extra virgin cold press. You want to do like two tablespoons of that in a pan with a clove of garlic. If you like a lot of garlic, you can chop up the garlic. If you don't like a strong garlic taste, use two whole cloves of garlic. Saute that in the pan just until it's golden. If you want to use a little bit of chopped onion or leeks, you can use that too, but you have to make sure these things don't burn because then it will make your sauce bitter. So you just toss that around for a minute or two, and then you're going to put in, if you have fresh tomatoes, that's the best. If not, if you, if you need to get canned tomatoes because it makes it easier, you know, you can do that. But again, look for a good brand of tomatoes. The best type of tomatoes to use are tomatoes called San Marzano. And they are the sweetest tomatoes. Now, unfortunately, when they, when they sell them in America, there have been companies that call them San Marzano that are not really San yeah. Marzano. But if you can find a brand, and they sell them now because everybody that goes to Italy has tasted them. 
So find a can of San Marzano tomatoes, put it in the olive oil that you have, and you basically want to saute that on low for about, usually it's 20 minutes. And the, the idea is the juice has to kind of dissipate and it has to be mm. more just tomatoey. So, and then you're going to put that on top of the pasta and you can actually drain the pasta, take the sauce off the burner, put the pasta in, toss it around, serve it. Some freshly grated Parmigiano Reggiano cheese. Oh, I forgot some, a couple of fresh basil leaves in the sauce right mm. before it's done. And that's really all you need. The other thing is people tend to think sauce is like a soupy thing. No. And in Italy, it's really not. It's a li- just a little bit of like really good tomatoes. So the tomatoes have to cook down and be concentrated. And that's what will flavor your pasta. If you want to put another little drizzle of olive oil on the dish before you serve it, you can do that too. But that's that would be in my book the easiest thing to me if you want to make it, you know, by hand and really impress someone. Yeah, I know I, I must be part Italian because I know I don't like soupy sauce. I like it nice and thick and almost, almost sludgy to tell you the truth. Right. Yeah, it's, it's like a concentrated thing, but it doesn't really, it's kind of like the way you put salad, salad dressing on, you know, it's just to flavor the pasta. It's not like this big, thick thing that covers the pasta. It's just like tomato, you know, tomato pieces. Yeah on it but the tomatoes are really good flavorful tomatoes that's the trick if you use really good flavorful tomatoes you don't need that yeah i think the biggest thing i think the biggest best thing that happened to me as far as my own italian cooking was here at home anyway was two or three christmases ago when i got my emulsion blender uh-huh which makes the sauce even easier because I just, yeah. I, I pretty much just tossed everything in the pot and take the blender. Oh, yes, goes... an immersion blender. <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> exactly. Yes, you can use that also if you want to do that. And every, every, everybody, I'm, I'm telling you, that thing makes me, people think I'm a much better cook than I am because I just, <laughs> just, just like. Yeah, if you want to, I generally, I like to see the tomato pieces there, but I know people that do not, people that I've cooked for, they like it more like a smooth type of thing. So you would have to do that. Exactly. If you want the rustic kind of thing, then you just leave it so you can see the tomato, you know, concentrated tomatoes cooked down. So, but yes, that immersion blender works. Yes. Anything else that any other kind of tips or anything you want to give people before we start running out of time here pretty quick sure you know the the main i guess i i had said it but the main thing is with italian cooking really the trick is to use the best ingredients for a dish that's what makes it flavorful it's not you know rocket science if you use the best ingredients that you can find like the highest quality for a, a recipe you usually don't need as much. I know I notice people get this. It's called Parmesan, S-A-N, because it's not real Parmigiano Reggiano cheese, you know, and they pour tons of it on what they're eating because they're trying to get flavor because <laughs> it's not all, you know, it's some cheese mixed with wood cellulose and all kinds yeah. of stuff. So, you know, get the real Parmigiano Reggiano. Yes, it is not cheap, but you won't need a lot to get the real oomph that you're looking for. 
And that's what I would say. Always get the best quality ingredients that you can find. Don't overdo the olive oil. Italians don't use tons of olive oil or tons of garlic. That's another thing that people tend to think. They really do like to balance out their flavors. So it's just a little bit of each thing, not tons of garlic or olive oil or onions. So you just balance out the flavors. Okay. Uh, you mentioned some of the other things you've got going on. And before we completely run out of time, I want to give you the opportunity to let people know if they want more Maria, where do they find you? Sure. Yes. Thank you. So my book series, The Basic Art of Italian Cooking, you can find that on Amazon. You can find it at marialiberati.com. And the publisher is artoflivingprimamedia.com. My podcast is The Maria Liberati Show, which you were on and have episodes up. I think the, the episode on YouTube that we did on video, I think that is up now. Oh, I'll have to go look. Channel. It's under the Maria Liberati Show. It's my YouTube channel. And then I have on Instagram, you can follow me at Maria Liberati, Chef Maria Liberati on Facebook, Maria Liberati on Twitter. And my Roku channel is The Basic Art of Italian Cooking by Maria Liberati. And for anybody in the Philadelphia listening area, I'm doing a wine pairing dinner at this really beautiful winery in Bechtelsville, Pennsylvania on March 26th. It's a four-course wine pairing dinner. So they have award-winning wines and uh, doing a four-course dinner there. And you can just sign up for that at eventbrite.com. And in any event, if you have any questions on anything, you can contact me at info at marialiberati.com. Okay. And I think that we've definitely put enough out there that a lot of people out there are going to be eating better. So I want to thank you for that. You're welcome. Uh, always a pleasure, Maria. Thanks, Maria. Robert. Yes. Thanks for inviting me. And thanks so much. Absolutely. Wow. That was a lot for half an hour. It sure was fun, but I think my food, I think my head almost hurts. Thank you, Maria. And for the rest of you, don't forget, anytime you feel like you need your Crutchfield Cooks fix, look for this podcast at www.learnmoreeatbetter.com. Till next time.